Hey, 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 it's me, Katie here. Grab a notebook, add a cuppa, and join me in the Sociology Staff Room. Hello, and welcome to the Sociology Staff Room. I'm Katie Tyler, and we've got a lovely guest today, Jodie, uh, Jodie Robert. Um, first of all, thank you for coming on and spending some of your busy day teaching to talk to us. You're very welcome. I've been really looking forward to it. I'm very, very nervous, um, but I've been really looking forward to speaking to you. Oh, amazing. Yeah, it's really normal. Don't worry. I mean, it's normal to feel nervous. It's a weird thing, isn't it? Just talking to a screen for something you haven't really spoken yeah. about. But we're going to be talking about marking the feedback today, uh, which obviously, maybe at this point in people's academic career, this is quite a, or an annual year. This is quite a busy time, teaching mocks for lots of different people as well. So quite an apt time to be talking about uh, marking the feedback. Before we do that, tell me a little bit about yourself and how you've come to sociology and, and to teaching. So um, I've been teaching for, I think, 11, so this is my 11th year now. Um, I've been the leader of learning for sociology for the last five years. And within the last year, I've also taken on the role of lead practitioner within the school as well. So obviously, coming from a sociology background, um, I know that the marking and feedback is something that everybody struggles with. Um, I think when I first started teaching, it was one of the things that I struggled with the most it seemed to be the thing that was taking me the most amount of time. I didn't feel like students were really getting much from it. I felt like it was very tick boxy. So I've been trying to, I think I, when I started taking over the department, I tried to think of ways that we could more effectively um, give feedback to students that wouldn't be as time consuming. Um, and it's definitely been something I've been looking at in more detail over the last year um, as one of the priorities in the department as well. So yeah, that's, that's the background, I suppose. Nothing too interesting. Oh no, it's amazing, you know. And I think, like you said, like teaching, one of the biggest sort of like bugbears or I don't know, sort of time-consuming elements is the marking and the feedback. And it sounds like you've been really sort of reflecting upon that and how that can benefit your students, but also um, your team and, and obviously teacher workload, which is a massive thing. We've mentioned lots of different podcasts before. So let's get down to it. You know, what does for you, in a nutshell? Your sort of summary what is seen as what do you perceive as effective marketing and feedback what do you see that as it well like? i think as like a starting point um the distinction between marketing and feedback is an important one to have mm. um i think they, they're used as very connected concepts and sometimes they're they're used in the wrong way for me the marking is that kind of like checking correcting work giving a mark um to students and actually I try and limit that as much as I possibly can because I think that's the bit that's really onerous. That's the bit that I don't think move the students forward um, in the same way. So I'm looking more at kind of the, the feedback side. So actually looking at students' work and giving them information about how, how they're doing and how they can actually improve. Um, I don't think that actually giving um, specific grades or marks to, for every piece of work is, is is that useful either? I think we all get to the point where students are just focusing on, oh, I got an A, I got a B, and they don't look at the feedback at all. And I think that's where my frustration was when I first started. I'd I'd spent ages writing loads and loads of comments all over the work, and I was like, this is great, this is going to help them. I'd give it back, and they'd just go, I got a B. Okay, what are we doing now? And it was soul destroying, like literally soul destroying. And that's where I started to to kind of get away from that marking and try to move towards the, the feedback. Um, 
I suppose in terms of the effective feedback, I always look at trying to be really, really specific, really, really clear um, with what I'm saying. I don't try and, you know, flower it up so it looks like I'm writing loads. I think the the more kind of like concise you can be, the be the better. I also think that it doesn't have to be written. Um, I think verbal feedback is much more effective uh, for students than written feedback. So investing time in that as well uh, can be really, really useful. Um, I always look at providing really specific guidance and steps for students to take. So it's not just about saying, oh, your conclusion wasn't very good. Improve your conclusion. That that does nothing. Um, so it's really about giving them really, really clear steps as to what they need to do next time. Um, I suppose the biggest aim I have with any feedback um, going forward is that the students are doing something to improve them um and actually there's a there's a quote that that i read from dylan william um last week or the week before and i think he put it perfectly the purpose of feedback is about changing the student not the work so i don't necessarily focus on let's improve this piece of work and let's spend an hour adding in things it's about what can we do next time when you're doing a similar piece of work so actually that that improvement is more long-term rather than a short-term I've rewritten the answer and it's better. Well, of course it's going to be better because you've just rewritten it with, with things. So it's more about that. I think my overall aim as well is to get students to a place where they can actually feedback to themselves so they can monitor their own work um, a lot better. They don't need me as much. I think the ultimate, the ultimate end goal is where I can look at a piece of work and say to a student, what do you need to do? And they can tell me accurately, I need to do X, Y, and Z. And they go and do it without much input from me because that's, it saves me time. They're doing mm -hmm. my job for me. I still get paid, um, but they're, they're kind of like taking on that role. Um, and I think that's really effective for them as well. Sorry, that wasn't a that wasn't a summary at all, was it? That was a really long-winded answer. Sorry. <laughs> that, that, that's cool. So you said it I'm just sort of highlights all the key things you mentioned there that you know there's a big distinction between marking and feedback and that marking is obviously is bound around a mark scheme and giving a score or a grade, whereas feedback is something that students ultimately need to be acting on and that it's not about the short term and then sort of improving that piece of work because ultimately, of course, you like to English, you just do it there and then with the notes in front of you, it's the changes you're going to make long term yeah. that are going to improve pieces of work for them. And the fact that you said about what's really important is the idea that the students should get to a point where they're able to come up with the feedback themselves uh, and almost yeah. probably hopefully if we had a guest that speak, spoke about that, that metacognition that almost yeah. that feedback should happen before they even do the piece of work so if they're sort of halfway starting an essay they'd be able to search I need to shift this because I'm not putting enough analysis in or something like that not at the end of it because it's too late yeah. really so they're sort of doing that in interesting because I've just spoken to a guest earlier about verbal feedback and I sort of pick up on that increasingly we're hearing and I suppose I'm going to ask you a sort of different question is there's a lot of people that are saying that like, the emphasis of verbal feedback and how effective that is and, and the merit of that. I suppose my, there's two questions that come out of that. Why do you think as, as, as a teacher that it is so effective? But also secondly, how do you balance that across maybe, I'm not suggesting your school letter, I don't know your, your setting, but the evidence-based sort of feedback. Because I know that, there's some some schools, it might not be a case in your school, where 
that if it's not written down, how do you know you're giving feedback? And then you end up into that awful verbal feedback stamp thing that sometimes oh, primary schools no, do. do. Yeah, you know, oh, just say you've done it. No. So and then you think, well, who are the stakeholders here? Who are you doing it for? So I suppose let's break this down. First of all, why do you think verbal feedback is so effective? I think you can give much more detail. I think you can explain your feedback in a much better way than you can having it written down um, for students. I think sometimes, I think cohort base as well. I mean, we have 80 students in sixth form. We have approximately 250 at Key Stage 4. Writing comments on each piece of work is, as I've said before, soul destroying. And it's, you're never going to be able to give it the level of detail that it needs them to truly understand what you're trying to say whereas a conversation with a student or a group of students or actually the whole class if need be is much quicker and you can really get your points across I think to support them um you mentioning the the verbal feedback stamp gave me kind of like PTSD I think there mm -hmm. it was uh the idea that we're all feedback is about moving the students forward the proof is that they're improving and it's that simple. We don't need stamps or you to go through books and, and put red ticks on everything to prove that you've given feedback. That doesn't prove you've given feedback. It proves that you've put a tick or a stamp in somebody's book. The proof is that their work is improving over time. Um, yeah, for, and I think for some schools, unfortunately, there's still that kind of emphasis on proving you're doing something. And my heart goes out to people who are in, in schools like that. It honestly does because I don't think it's, it makes anybody an effective teacher and I don't think it helps students either. Breaking free of that kind of idea that we have to prove everything as, you know, educated individuals who know our subject and know how to teach that we have to prove things is ridiculous. But um, like we said, the proof is with the students. You should be able to have a conversation with a student. Um, they should be able to tell you what they need to do to improve. And if they can do that, that's proof that they're having effective feedback and that they're moving themselves forward. Yeah, I think like you just said, like the verbal feedback, you can offer so much in a conversation that, uh, I don't know, a point and say like, I need to, you need to analyse more and then maybe like a whole sentence about how you do that. That might be better talking about it and asking students what that means to them and having a discussion. And like you said, I was in, there was going to be a second question that we didn't answer. I said, do you do that one-to-one some people do that, but obviously with your cohorts that size, I, can't, I imagine that's quite difficult to do it one-to-one -one with students. Um, if it's needed, I mean, obviously students who are maybe struggling more mm. will need that one-to-one -one support and that conversation. Um, but I suppose it's just knowing your students then of, of who needs a one-to-one -one conversation because the, the, maybe the issue they're having is very specific to them and they need it broken down a little bit more. Um, usually I find actually as a whole class it works just as effectively because you can talk about the issue that a lot of students have had, you can put work under a visualiser, you can break it down for all of them, you can then show a model, they can improve it together and, and that is done as a, a whole class but everybody gets something from it and, every, and it moves everybody forward as well. Yeah definitely and I think that sometimes people like, oh gosh you've got like you know a whole lesson devoted to feedback I know like you know, like, or even two lessons, depending on how big the assessment period is. So if you've got two at mock exams, you might be two, like you've got a series of them, might be two or three lessons. But I suppose what you, you lose in that, you gain long term, which is something you was talking about earlier. So in respect to sort of effective it there and what that looks like, obviously you've said that it's about the students, it's about them 
moving forward. It's about them being able to realise where they need to move, very much student-centred. How do you, how does that benefit, I mean, obviously, I assume you've got a team of the staff because of the, the cohort size you have. How, I suppose there's two questions again here. How do you, I suppose, ensure quality control that everyone's not without something like a dictator or something like that? But obviously, yeah. how do you ensure quality control within a department as a head of department role? Because ultimately, that's what you're doing, but you potentially have three or four other sociology teachers. How do you ensure that? And I suppose, secondly, how how do they benefit from that if they are doing it in the way that you've set out? So we've got, there's a team of, there's three of us, there's myself and then um, two of the members of staff in the department who are both actually relatively new to teaching. Um, so I have an ECT1 and an ECT2 in the department. And like with everything else that we're doing, I think modelling is the perfect way to, to kind of get this across. So whether it's in department meetings or um, having them come into lessons and things, actually seeing that process happen, because again, it written down on me just telling someone how to do it I don't think is going to have that, that effectiveness in the same way as we're going to try and move students forward I think it's the same for developing teachers um, as well so modeling the process going through the the why as well so why are we doing it in this way so for example um, in year 12 the first piece of work that we look at for year 12 um, well the first kind of like you know, bigger piece of work is we always set a 10 marker. And when I'm looking at that, I only mark the structure of the 10 marker. I don't mark content or anything because actually it's their first one. A lot of the time they're using booklets and we're doing it in class. So when I take them in, I literally just go through and look if they've used the structure that we've been teaching them and I'll mark that kind of like down the side. So I only actually write um, five letters on each piece of work that's it because to me it's really really specific so what i could do is get explain that process to a member of staff and the reason i'm doing it is that it's not taking as long to actually give that feedback it's really really specific for the students it means the second piece of work they did the second 10 marker they, they should have a really clear area of improvement that we can look at again so for example, if we've looked at all of their, their 10 markers and a student, uh, it's the evaluation, which is usually mm -hmm. an area of weakness to start with. Um, the second 10 marker that we look at, we only look for the evaluation. That's all I'm looking for because that's the target they've been given. So it's about, I think, explaining the why we're doing things in a certain mm -hmm. way, staff, modeling it to them, letting them see how it works. Um, and then obviously, you know, lesson drop-ins. We, we're very kind of like open here um, in terms of me dropping in on them, them dropping in on me. We try and have that kind of like really open and trusting relationship where it's all about improving all of us. Mm -hmm. So that helps, I think, just people being able to see each other kind of like with this, whether it's marking a feedback or with, like I say, any other teaching technique that we're using. Yeah, definitely. And I think you said like the, the why um, as well. Like I see that's not just true as suspect for the teachers, but also for the students, because obviously that might be obviously and I appreciate your roles now change within your school where you're uh, the lead prep. But potentially that might not be so similar to what other subjects they're taking in the way that they mark. So obviously it's explaining the why for why you do that in sociology and, and the reason for that, because they'll be like, well, in da, 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 I get a score and a grade. Yeah. Um, 
So obviously you talked about how you do it, what that looks like in regards to the sort of the 10 markers and your first initial assessment. But say you're in uh, the middle of year 13 and we're getting closer to the exams. Um, yeah. What does marking and feedback look like then? So obviously we're talking about marking and we starting to give more grades at that point or are we getting students to put some grades down. What does that look like at that point? So we sort of got past the first year 12 uh, and we're sort of now into... It's just so comfortable what a 10 marker looks like, a 20 marker, 30 marker and so on. Yeah. So th there's a few different strategies that we use. Um, a lot of what we do happens in lessons and it's not even assessment based. It's not end of topic assessments. It's very much what's going on in lessons. So if they're doing questions, we do a lot of live marking. So um, I might give them a set amount of time to do a question. I'll grab a couple under the visualizer and we look at them together because I think actually that that ability to kind of like in the there and now um give feedback and actually say look this is one here we're going to go through this we're going to and i verbalize my kind of like thinking as we're going through it they use that to kind of start going okay actually i've made that same mistake i need to start going back and they're actually making improvements as they go so that that's one way we do and again in terms of workload it's very workload light it's part of the lesson so it's nothing that has to be done taken home with you it's just there and then students act upon that feedback immediately um we also train our students to do a lot of self and peer assessments. Now, I know that some, and I've had conversations with people, and I know some people think it's a bit of a cop-out getting students to mark their own work. Um, I think it's really, really effective if done properly um, because it goes back to what you mentioned about the, the metacognition as well and that self-regulation. If students can effectively mark their own work, they don't need you as much because they can pick out the mistakes themselves. They can pick out um, their targets themselves. They can pick out everything. It takes a long time to get to, them, to that point. It's not something you can just go, here's a mark scheme, off you go. But if you invest the time into showing them how to use mark schemes, how to pick you know, where marks come from, I think you reap the rewards later on. Our 12s and 13s have just done their mocks. They did them last week. Um, I had one of my year 13 classes yesterday and they marked their own mock papers in class yesterday. I then, they, they fill out a big, it's like a big sheet they have to do. Um, they put the marks, they put why they think they've got that mark. They put what they missed out, how they, they needed to improve it. They fill in like an exam wrapper as well at the end. All of that's done in that lesson we take them in and then ultimately we're actually just moderating, which is much quicker than the marking. They've already done the marking for us because if they do that process effectively, they already know why they've got 15 out of 20 or why they've got three out of 10 or whatever it is. They already know that. So we don't need to write anything. Um, obviously conversations can be had after, but it cuts the time down massively. So. Mm. That's how that's that's where we try and get to. We've done it. We're starting it with year twelve. This is the first time they will have marked their marks. Obviously, it's a bit slower. Give them a bit more time. Hold their hands a little bit more with it. Um, but but the year thirteens who did it in my lesson yesterday it was literally just off you go and they they did it. And then when I'm moderating the marks, generally you're they're they're pretty bang on. You might have mm. to change it by one or two, but they they're really accurate. So it's cut our time down massively because 80 mock papers to mark is horrific 
Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, I think, and like you said, yeah. I think you said right at the beginning, the goal is, is for the students to move forward. I suppose my next question is, I'm always just playing to the advocate and I'm thinking about lots of different things. How, yeah. what, the, what the stakeholders, what, I mean, obviously you can't talk about individual parents, but as the buying for parents, because again, it's a change of culture, isn't it? From where the teacher was the expert, you know, thinking about sort of meta-narratives and that sort of thing. The teacher's the expert, yeah. they mark the work, they tell the students what to do, that's a grade, there's no discussion, da 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 I mean, there might not be, but like, let's hold for argument's sake, like, you know, say the parents were like, hang on a why is my son, daughter, you know, my guardian, they're having to mark their work and then you're just moderating. I suppose they wouldn't necessarily know you're moderating, but how, what's the buy-in, I suppose, um, from other stakeholders, i.e. parents? I think, again, it's the, it comes back to the why, explaining why mm. they're doing it. And, and we explain this to the students really, really clearly of, we're doing this because actually it's the best way to get them to reflect on their their work. If we mark the mock paper and give it them back and it's got the grade on, we all know that the students are just interested in that grade and anything that comes after they've already been given the grade is watered down. Um, mm. I don't think they they kind of like get involved in the the next steps as effectively when they already know kind of what they've what they've got. But if I'm kind of like forcing them to read through their answers, forcing them, I'll say forcing them, obviously, you know, in a, a teacher way, <laughs> forcing them to like go through that mark scheme, they're actually having to really, really reflect on it. Because when they come up to me to get their marks and I'm like, okay, you've given yourself a 12 there, I can look at why, because they've written it down. If I don't think they've written it down properly, we can have that conversation. They can say, well, actually, Miss, it's because I think I'm in that band because... I don't think I've effectively evaluated in this paragraph and that one. And actually, I think my argument was too one-sided or whatever it is. That, that's the why. And I i mean, we've never had a parent um, question it. I'm not quite sure the students even tell their parents that they're doing that. But I've had that conversation as well. Actually, evidence, the evidence tells us that in order to move students forward, they need to actively engage in that feedback process and just giving someone a grade does nothing mm. it does nothing to move them forward at all um and i think most people would understand then why we were doing it in that way oh definitely i mean i i, I hear you i mean i i basically i think lots of teachers are moving that to, to, um that that vein I, I pretty much do the same i do it slightly slightly differently um in the sense that i've already marked it but i don't put the grade on generally or the score yeah. or anything so I then give it back what looks like blank and then the students have to do like a highlight of where's the A1, A2, A3, then band yeah. it. Then they have to justification what score they've got and why. And then they then act to the feedback and while they're individually working on their feedback, I then go around quietly and tell them, well, have a conversation what they think yeah. they've got and why and then give them their score and grade. But that's just, I think I just just get it. I just want to start marking so I just do it that way around rather than the moderation I think it, to be honest yeah. it depends if our exams are really early on we'll sometimes we'll have already marked it and just not put things on but I think yeah. it still highlights the, the point that there's no one way of doing this yeah, effectively definitely. but we're both doing it for the same reason yeah so, I think I'd agree with you I think students shut down as soon as they see a score or grade it can go one or two ways can't it they can either like we're just human aren't we we can either respond to that and think yeah i want to achieve better or or some people get really all three ways or get de deflated and quite fatalistic and think oh what's the point i'm mm -hmm. not going to do well because i've got whatever grade i've got there or others might be like wow i've got you know an a or a b whatever their sort of 
where they want to be and think, oh, I don't need to engage them doing anything right. So it, it, yeah. there's different responses to that. And I think once you sort of remove the grade and the score, I think there's that, that willingness to read the feedback and act upon it um, more so. I think the scores and the grades become the measurement of who they are rather than the feedback and, like you said, acting upon it. Um, I think the, a big question for some teachers might be time you know yeah um obviously you're eating into lesson time and depends on how many and how many do you mind me asking how many hours do you have a, a, a do you work a four nightly timetable um we have them for three double periods and each double period is an hour and 45 i, I can't do the math on that I'm, um <laughs> but yes i'm not even gonna try five-ish hours <laughs> yeah. five-ish hours a week um that process of kind of like them looking at their mock papers yeah it's, it's a slower process than just giving them the grade um but within that hour and 45 that i had them yesterday they marked their paper they improved i do generally i don't get them to improve answers in normal lessons but for the mocks if there's questions they missed out or absolutely bombed on because they just couldn't get their head around it i will make sure they've had a go at them so for example i what i always try and do with um mock papers in particular is make sure there's at least one really tricky question in terms of either the item is really difficult to use or it's worded really awfully something that will throw them which seems a bit mean but i'm kind of trying to make the point that, that there's probably going to be a question at least one they'll open up and go oh my god i don't i don't know where to start with this and trying to get them to look at how they deal with that because some of them fall apart and i'm like well you've got to kind of move past it and some they'll go, you know, I'm going to leave that and come back to it. So there's usually a question that a lot of them have, have done relatively terribly on. Um, but it's a learning process again. Like I, I put it in there because I kind of want them to not do great on that one question because I want them to learn something from it. Um, I'm not sure if there's evidence behind that, but it, it tends to work in terms of the messages you know, sometimes you speak to students and you're like, um, you know, the the ten the ten marker item ones, and they've started putting that that sentence at the end of the item, which is the rewording of the question, and they're not allowed to use that as a hook. Um, I kept telling them not to do it, and they kept doing it until I put it into a mock paper, and they suddenly lost marks because they'd done it, and suddenly it was like light bulb. Oh, okay, I can't do it. So almost like learning through making that mistake. Um, yeah. I suppose you know what I've just talking and I've, I've completely lost track of what you'd even asked me no um, <laughs> it's good it's good sort of to say like <laughs> I think it was just like ha the, the the way up between the time you commit to sort of doing that process, yeah. you know takes a little bit longer obviously and also a little bit more organisation in the sense that to create the yeah. wrappers and I, I mean obviously you can, there's certain model bits you'll keep obviously they have to be spoke to the question yeah. you have to copy any waggles out and get an info to copy in in advance, etc. etc. to get the mark schemes of those students potentially have those mark schemes already. Um all those sort of things, as well as obviously teaching the contents of it. It's just that balancing between, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. devoting an hour and forty five minutes. So if you've got two papers that's gonna be nearly like three hours on on feedback, um, versus content. Um what's the message you might give to to staff that are like oh i can't take any more time out because i've still got a whole nother topic to go in a bit uh before may um i think with everything obviously there is a balancing and we have to get through a lot of content but if students don't know how to improve 
you can deliver them all the content in the world and they're not going to get any better. So it's it's important to invest time into the right things. Um, I think taking that that one double lesson um, twice a year to do something like this is is worth it um, because it does move them forward. And if it's done effectively, it will move them forward because they're using that feedback in their learning after. And you can relate back to it as well. You can keep going back to it. In terms of like um, assessments they do in class, I wouldn't use a whole lesson to feedback on it. Um, I don't think that's necessarily effective. Um, I tend to, we, we look at whole class feedback uh, and I know this has been something that's been spoken about by many different people. The way that we look at whole class feedback is we're going to pick out either two things, misconceptions that need addressing and where skills need developing. So whether it's the 10 mark with an item or whether it's the conclusion or whether it's evaluation, whatever it is, it's going to be a, a knowledge-based misconception and like a skills-based thing. That won't take all lesson and doesn't necessarily have to happen all in one lesson. Um, I won't get them to redo questions. It might be a similar question that comes on later. It might be that I need to reteach something first because you, the whole class have just clearly misunderstood it. It's, I've, I've not delivered it correctly and it happens. You know, sometimes that happens. Um, or a skills-based one will be next time coming up to that type of question. We'll go, right, in your last assessment, this type of question wasn't done particularly well and use that kind of feedback in there. So I don't have a one size fits all. This is exactly how everything happens. I think you you know your own cohort and you know how to, to use time effectively. But to simply say that using a lesson is taken away from content, I think is misguided because, like I say, the, the aim is to move them forward. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think that goes back to my, my sort of last sort of question to you. Oh, actually, I've got one more question, but one I was going to say was like, well, what does this look like? And I think you said it right at the beginning, you just said it just now, so the end marks at the end is, is the students moving forward? I suppose my only question or question mark around moving forward is around the idea that sociology, I mean, maybe it's just me, but I feel like it's a bit of a, a snowball, that it sometimes feels you're moving forwards to some degree, but then sometimes you're rolling backwards just because you're building upon knowledge. So like if, you say like the theory methods, particularly theory questions, there's almost going to be, although they've maybe stocked up some theory knowledge with doing education programs and core beliefs, depending on what order you teach things, the theory question requires a bit more than the theory they know. So they think, oh, I can answer this question and so I don't know, evaluate um, the Marxist theory viewpoint, da, 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 da. But obviously that requires more than they knew already. So it's almost like, almost sociology becomes the knowledge of sociology becomes better at the end of the course rather than oh, gosh, it's not. Yeah. I don't find it's like, you know, it's fashionable for a while to work flight paths and students working like this. Um, but, yeah. I, you know, from my experience, students work like this. So they're sort of more like a wave and they get something, then learn something new and then they dip and they will learn something new. It's like that. So then how yeah. did you show success as a criteria then? Because ultimately they are going to dip maybe and then they go up again and then dip and go up. I think, I mean, it's not going to be linear. I think even when you've got those waves of dipping, they're still, they're, they're still moving forward. Just sometimes I think the moving forward comes a little bit slower. I don't think they move backwards. I think sometimes the, there are, there are points and especially in 13, you see, a, I think you see a lot of rapid progress mm. from this point now, from here till that May, I think is where they make the most progress. Mm. 
in my experience that might be different for other people but that's that's kind of like something that that i've noticed because i always have this panic around this time of like oh my god the grades are going to be terrible what's happening and then suddenly things start clicking and i think it goes back to what you say is because it's like they're starting to see the links between all those concepts a little bit better and they're starting to bring all of that that kind of in but i think even when you have those slow periods i don't think it's them going back i just think it's slower Mm. but they're still going in the right direction because you're still i think sometimes you're working more knowledge base sometimes it's more skills base and i think it's the balance of the two isn't it they can't go into the exam just with knowledge because they won't know how to use it they can't go into the exam just with all these structures in their head and nothing to write so you have to balance it all the way all the way through and sometimes the content takes a bit of a back step while you're working on skills sometimes the skills side the exam skills side takes a bit of a backseat whilst you're working on on content um i think it's juggling and i think as teachers we do this all the time it's just trying to juggle 500 balls that are on fire all at the same time <laughs> amazing come to the teaching profession <laughs> what? there we go there we go there's, there's, there's your sales pitch <laughs> there's your sales pitch uh, for it um on my last thing i suppose just a sort of definitely a summary sentence on this so what's your freshest freshest thoughts sounds like a t- tongue twister on marketing feedback in a sort of one word or two words um i'm gonna go back to actually i'm gonna steal uh dillian williams quote on it like improve the student not the work I, I think that's the, the probably the the shortest you know most concise way of putting it nice and it's a nice one to share with students as well because that that could almost be a start to your feedback lesson what does that mean and then yeah. go into it well i'm going to borrow that because i'm doing some yeah. feedback on thursday so i will i might start with that as my uh as my lesson starter thank you for your time i really really appreciate it. i love talking to fellow professionals other teachers um who experience new to teaching as well and just sort of thinking about teaching and learning uh, particularly for, for social media. so thank you for your time i appreciate that jodie no, you're very welcome yeah. thank you take care oh you take thank care thank you very you much to bye. Exams. take care oh, bye and you bye <laughs> bye the sociology staff room is brought to you by tutor to you sociology find us at tutor to you.net forward slash sociology or follow us on twitter at tutor to you sock or instagram at tutor to you sock You can also join our very lively Facebook groups for sociology teachers. See you soon.